0: May you prepare your heart for the word of God.
1: When I stand at the judgment seat of Christ, and he shows his plan for me, the plan of my life as it might have been, had he had his way, and I see how I checked him here and blocked him there and Would not yield my will? Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes? Grief, though he loves me still. He would have me rich with all the treasures of heaven. Will I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace? While memory runs like a haunted thing down paths I cannot retrace. Lord, of the years that are left to me, I give them to thy hand. Take me, break me, mold me to the pattern thou hast planned.
0: Amen. All right, let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your blessings, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your compassion, your pity, your long-suffering. Thank you, Lord, that it's not your will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Lord, I have no idea who's seated before me. I don't know who's saved and who isn't. But if there are any tonight who have not yet tasted to see that the Lord is good, they've not yet come to an understanding of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and who He is and what He has done and what they must do in response to receive Him, to have forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life, abiding within them. We pray tonight might be the night where they receive Christ as Savior and Lord and leave here totally transformed and different than the way they came in here. Lord, bless the believers. Obviously, a subject as we're going to cover tonight is, 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 is a lot for the believer. So things we must understand and know even as born-again, blood-bought, heaven-bound children of God. We ask your blessing and anointing upon revival of your people. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen and amen. I'm directing you to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 as we deal with the subject of the rewards at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to give a brief introduction to the judgment seat of Christ, and then I want to get into these five crowns that the Lord is offering to every believer when they stand before him. Now, in Prophecy Conference 1 that I did a few years ago, we delved into an entire evening of the judgment seat of Christ, but there we looked at the criteria by which we will be judged. And we went to 1 Corinthians 3, and we learned concerning be careful what you build, and how you build, and why you build. We learned there in 1 Corinthians 3.11 that you must first have the foundation. The foundation is Christ, prophesied in Isaiah 28.16. And 1 Corinthians 3.11 says there are many, many people who are religious and moral and upright, but they've never gotten the foundation. You must first be in Christ. You must first, by faith, receive Christ as the one who died in your place, shed his blood for you, and rose again from the dead. That's the only salvation that God is offering. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Saved from the penalty and the enslaving power of sin. And so salvation is offered freely by the grace of God. And we must by faith receive it. If you do not, you will not be at the judgment seat of Christ. So here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, for we, now the word we, who's we? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, profitable or unprofitable, useful or useless. <laughs> We're talking about born again believers because that's what the we 33 times in chapters 4 and 5, you find the word we. And every single one of those 33 times, it's referring to saved, born-again, blood-bought, heaven-bound children of God. Only the saved are at this judgment seat of Christ. Those who reject Christ, refuse Christ, resist Christ, die in their sins without a saving knowledge of Him will be at another judgment called the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20, 11 through 15. Now, that is the theme for this Wednesday night. What I'm going to preach Wednesday night is not popular, but it is Bible prophecy. It is as much prophecy as anything else we've talked about this week. Wednesday night is the night, if you're going to bring any lost friends with you. And may I encourage you now, you have the two days, would you pray about who you can invite Maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's even a family member or a friend that you know is not saved, and it's a very powerful message, not just because I'm preaching it, but it's a great message to bring unsaved people to. But you know what? There's a lot of God's people, a lot of saved people who don't really understand that judgment. And I want to clear up, I believe, some misunderstandings about that judgment, but tonight we deal with the judgment seat of Christ. We, we believers, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The word appear there is literally, it means appear before God turned inside out. Now you can't see what's in my pocket, it is hidden from your view. But if I were to turn my pocket inside out, oh boy, there's, a, there's a, that, and boy, I got one of these. Uh, Brother Kevin gives me this. He gives it to me, I'm going to sell it on eBay. Is that all right? Anyway. But listen, you you couldn't see those things until my pocket was turned inside out. And that is the word the Apostle Paul uses with the Corinthians. We must all appear. We must all be turned inside out before the judgment seat of Christ. We have this reference again there in Romans chapter 14. In Romans chapter 14, here in verse 10, Romans 14, 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother? For why dost thou set it not, thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. I'm not going to stand there for you, and you're not going to stand there for me. We will give an account of ourselves, and in that day when you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and your faith becomes sight, and you gaze upon those wounds that were inflicted for you, we're not going to blame someone else for our lack of faithfulness or spirituality. Well, I could have been a really dynamic Christian, but I, I had these, these, these people at work that dragged me down, or I, I could have been a great wife if it wasn't for this jerk of a husband. I could have been, I could have been a, no, you're going to blame somebody else. You're going to play the blame game in that day. You're going to give an account of yourself. What did you do or not do? What, what were you? You have to be before you can do. And if you don't have the being, you're not even going to be at this judgment. But he says every one of us should give an account of himself to God. Now, the last time we, we had this prophecy conference years ago, we, we, we brought you to 1 Corinthians 3, and I don't have time to go through that again because I already preached that. But what I want you to see tonight, there's not only a reckoning, which is that we will give an account, but we're not giving the account for sin. This is not a judgment of your sin. Your sin was already judged by one, the Lord Jesus Christ who died in my place, in your place. He became our sin and the wrath and the punishment of Almighty God the Father fell on Him instead of you, instead of me. He died the death that I should die. He suffered everything on that cross that we would have suffered in the lake of fire forever. He bore the full weight and penalty of our sin, and then rose again victorious from the grave. And so the matter of sin is already settled for the born-again believer. It doesn't matter what you've done, you are saved everything of your sinful past and present and future is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's not a place of the judgment of sin. When the Lord Jesus cried out in John 19, 30, it is finished. Guess what? It was finished. (laughs) He finished paying the debt of your sin. And you will not give an account for sin because if you do, then it wasn't finished. Christ hath once suffered for sin, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place of the judging of your sin, but a place of the judging of your service. (laughs) Your life from the moment you were born again. And, and, and again, this 1 Corinthians 3 talks talks about the Christian life as a building project. Where in verse 11, you get the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Without the foundation of Christ in salvation, you can build and build and build and claim to be serving God. But when the winds of judgment blow, everything you've built will come crashing down. Because you might have been religious and moral you were spending a life that you thought was building for God, and, but if you've never gotten the foundation, it will not last, it will tumble. Verse 12, you have the building materials, and where are you going to build properly? Be careful what you build. Again, verse 10, at the end, let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 13, deal with our motives. Why did you build what you built? Are we living for the Lord? Are we living for the praise of men? Am I living to satisfy and build up my own reputation and ego? Or do I love to reach people with the gospel? I love to preach. Uh, I I love to do what I do because I love the Lord. (laughs) Otherwise, it's all wood and hay and stumble, stumble, stumble. (laughs) stubble. Well, that too. But here we find in verse 14 is my topic for tonight in prophecy conference number two. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet, so is my fire. Coming out of a burning building, you got out alive, but everything in your home was burned up. But you were alive, you were spared, you survived. And so we want to talk about this rewarding. Now, be everyone will have some reward. Let me tell you why. because this 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5. So I'm turning the page from 1 Corinthians 3. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts is that whole turned inside out term I used earlier. And what and what's the end of verse 5? Then ever then shall every man have praise of God. What does that simply mean? If you don't have something of which you can be praised by God or rewarded for, then you're not genuinely saved. No fruit means no root. If you have a life that is absolutely bereft of the fruitfulness of the Christian life, then you're fooling yourself. You're self-deceived. No wonder Paul said, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith, lest you be found reprobate. Peter said, "Make, make your call in the election sure. If you claim the name of Christ, then there is some fruit in your life. There has to be. You can't have a completely fruitless Christian life. That means you we never in Christ. You didn't get the foundation. You did not have any root that could produce fruit. So everyone will have some praise of God. Some more than others. Hence the judgment. And so we find these rewards. The Bible calls them crowns. The Lord Jesus is coming again. And he said in Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I come quickly. Not quickly, again, chronologically. Quickly. 2,000 years doesn't sound quickly. We're not talking about a time frame. We're talking about the mode in which he comes. When he comes, it's in a moment, it's a twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Behold, I come quickly. In other words, you got to be prepared. You better get ready. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man, woman, boy, and girl, such as they should receive. But uh, he said, my reward, these are his rewards. Our Savior is coming again with his rewards. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. He's excited about rewarding you. Do you realize the Lord Jesus Christ loves you? You ever heard that before? You know, He loves you unconditionally. He doesn't love you any more or less based on your behavior, obedience, faithfulness. If you're not obedient and unfaithful, He has different ways of dealing with you, Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. But He loves you unconditionally. He loves you no matter what. You always can be assured of His love. He not only loves you, he's excited about coming to get you personally. We preached that yesterday. And he's excited about rewarding you. The Lord Jesus is your biggest cheerleader. (laughs) Ever been to some athletic event and they got cheerleaders there? And they're like, rah, 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 go for me, go for me. (laughs) So the Lord Jesus is cheering you on. And the Lord Jesus gives us every reason to be rewarded. He gives you every resource. To be rewarded, there's no excuse for any Christian to, to live a defeated life. We have everything we need to be successful in the Christian life. We have the grace of God, the power of God, the Word of God, the church of God. God has enhanced us with everything we need to be victorious. He wants you to be rewarded. It would give no greater joy to our Savior, the Lord Jesus, to place crowns on your head. That's what He wants. And we can have them. By God's grace and His power and enablement in us, we can be rewarded. Five crowns. You know, crowns are interesting. Did you know the crown of Queen Elizabeth II of England is now the crown of King Charles III? Same crown. Elizabeth wore it since 1953, longest reigning monarch in British history. And now, Prince of Wales, Charles, coronated in May of 2023. And he has the same crown she has. And man, what a dandy. We've been to England a couple times. I'll be there again this coming June. And you go to the Tower of London and, and you see the crown jewel. You can see that crown with your own eyes. It's 5 pounds, 10 kilos. That might send you to a chiropractor, hey? (laughs) It has a solid gold framework. And that crown has 2,783 diamonds. It has 277 pearls. It has 18 sapphires and 11 emeralds and 5 rubies. Well, if earthly people know how to make such a crown, what will the heavenly ones look like? I don't know, but I want them. You want them? You can have them. So, let's listen as I go. I want to say quickly through the five crowns. My lozenge is already dissolved. (laughs) Let's talk about these five crowns that Christ is offering. Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me. First, we have the incorruptible crown. That's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, very important passage. Here in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? the one receiveth the prize, so run that you may obtain, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate, disciplined, in all things. Now they do it, the Isthmus games of ancient Greece, where you had runners running in races to obtain a corruptible crown, a little wreath that they put on their heads, but there was a lot of lifetime rewards associated with those who won the Greek games. You didn't have to pay taxes the whole rest of your life. They built you a house. They built your parents a house. It was quite lavish, even though the crown was kind of skimpy. Well, they do it, the Isthmus Olympic Greek runners, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible, the incorruptible crown, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I. Verse 24, so run. Verse 29, so fight. I got so run circled, and I got so fight circled, and a line drawn between them. (laughs) What a message. So run, like an athlete in a running race. And then, therefore I so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. Here's a boxing metaphor. I've never really gotten much into boxing, except with my grandchildren. You know, I'm an identical twin, and my daughter, my second daughter, our second daughter, had a set of identical twin boys. And so it's kind of a handful to try to keep them going. Uh, they're 10 years old now, but when they were about five, I was boxing with my grandsons, Hunter and Aiden. I said, Hunter and Aiden, I thought it'd be Hunter and Fisher, but anyway, and we're boxing, and one of them went, and broke my finger. I mean, broke it good. I heard it snap. I'm boxing. Broken finger. And it's interesting, indistinctively, I, I just took that finger, and I went, and I put it right back in place. I didn't even think about what I was doing, but it was, you know, it's all bent, and, know and then I went to Walmart and got one of those braces, and I wore that for a couple months. I don't go to the doctor unless I'm unconscious, all right? So anyway, <laughs> if I'm unconscious, take me in. <clears throat> but boxing metaphor, and Paul says, when I box spiritually, metaphor, when I box spiritually, I not as one that beateth the air. Can you imagine watching a boxing match? Whoever these boxers and world champions might be, you know, the, you know, the, the bell goes, ding, and they go to the ring. <laughs> that would look foolish, wouldn't it? They're, they're just beating the air. They're going all over the place, but they're not hitting anything. So Paul says the incorruptible crown is for those who hit something. <laughs> it's for those that don't waste time beating the air. Their lives are purposeful, meaningful. You know, the Lord Jesus gives us a reason. He gives us a purpose to live. He gives us a purpose to die. We are not aimless. We're not drifting. We are useful. We're running the race, and we're going to run it lawfully, and we're going to box and fight and hit our target. So He says in verse 27, but I keep under my body. Self discipline, self control, principled, running lawfully. I keep it under my body and bring it into subjection. Lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's not saying in any way, shape, or form that you're going to lose your salvation. Don't let these people give you these verses. And say, see, see, it's talking about usefulness to the Lord. Even as a preacher, if I get into trouble, I may disqualify myself from preaching the gospel and be shelved, rendered useless to the Lord, still saved. And so this incorruptible crown is for those who run the race lawfully. This is what we said in 1 Corinthians 3.10, that uh, be careful how you build, that we build according to the Word of God. God's Word gives us the blueprints for constructing a very successful, victorious Christian life. God's Word gives us the blueprints for a satisfying, fulfilling, successful marriage. God's Word gives us the blueprints for rearing, God-fearing, godly children in our homes. By the time they leave our home, they are fruitful, productive, and mature believers. The blueprints are there. The problem is getting, even getting God's people to follow the blueprints, the building plans for success. And those who build properly following the building plans will be rewarded with the incorruptible crown. Second Timothy 2 Timothy 2.5 says, and if any man also strive for masteries and get victory over our flesh, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So you have to do God's work God's way. It's amazing how many even believers come up with their own little conjured up idea of what it means to serve God. You don't just serve Him the way you want to serve Him. We can't be presumptuous with the commands of Christ. He said in Luke 6, 46, why call you me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? And so we want to be in this disciplined life. We want to be in Hebrews 12:1. Laying aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Are there weights in your Christian life? Imagine running a race, and you're on the starting line, and you've got a big boulder in your hand. (laughs) Why don't you just get rid of the boulder? You'll run a lot smoother. (laughs) They're believers who just allow weights in their Christian lives. They know these things are displeasing to the Lord, and yet they just hanging on to them, and the Spirit of God's trying to work in our lives in sanctification and take these stones, these boulders out of our lives, and we keep hanging on, and then He, then he pulls us like this, and then we make the scratch marks in the sand. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why don't we just surrender? of self-controlled, disciplined life, being an overcomer. Seven times in Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord Jesus said, unto to him that overcometh. Seven churches of Asia Minor. Revelation 2 and 3, words of our Savior himself. And to him that overcometh will I, I, I. Seven times. You know, the encouragement there is that we have things we need to overcome. You can't be an overcomer unless you overcome something. So take heart and be encouraged. If there are weights, if there are besetting sins, if there's something you need to overcome, take heart. You pray. You get in God's Word. You let the grace of God teach you to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts that we might live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Titus 2, 11, 12. And so the incorruptible crown is for those who overcome this world system and overcome the flesh and thus are rewarded with the incorruptible crown. Then there's number two, the crown of rejoicing. I could preach the whole message on the first one. I'm looking at my notes as well. Yep, 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 But crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, we call it the soul winner's crown. Sure you've heard this preached before, First Thessalonians 2.19, Paul the Apostle talking to the church of Thessalonica, that's located southwest of Philippi, up in northern Greece, which was called Macedonia. Southern Greece is Achaia, that's where Corinth is, that's where Athens is, but here he's talking to the Thessalonians in northern Greece, and he says, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing?" Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at His coming? Will there be people in heaven who were there because of your witness, because of your burden for their soul? You shared the gospel with them, gave them a gospel track, helped them to the Savior. Will you have this welcoming committee in heaven, as Luke talks about? And I have a message on that, how to get a welcoming committee in heaven. As you invest financially, you invest your time, and you are willing to be a witness for Christ and, and lead others to Christ, it, it's, it still works. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let God give you opportunities every morning of your life. You wake up, and you snap to attention, and you salute the great captain of your salvation. What are your marching orders for me today, sir? Who would you like me to speak to today? Who can I witness to today? You know, if you do that every morning of your life, say, Lord, bring people across my path today, and I will speak for you. I will give you a gospel track. This is what Paul meant in 1 Thessalonians 2:4 that God can trust you with His gospel. Can He trust you with His gospel? Can He trust that if He brings people across your path, you will speak for Him? You will hand out a gospel tract. You'll give your testimony. You'll change a conversation over to spiritual things and seek to take your Bible and lead somebody to Christ. Can God trust you with this gospel? See, if you really got serious about this and you really sincerely ask the Lord, send people my way today and I will speak for you. Watch what happens. I guarantee it. If God knows you're willing to be a witness for Him, you won't look long or hard for any witnessing opportunities. If God knows you have that heart that you want to sincerely be a witness for Christ, He will bring people to you. Acts 1.8, you shall receive power. You don't have any power in yourself. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. That's why He said in Matthew 4.19, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You don't make yourself a fisher of men. You don't have it in you, neither do I. It's all produced by the Lord. He said, you follow me the way I've instructed you in the New Testament. I'll make it happen, Jesus says, I'll make you a fisher of men. I can't do that in myself. And there are some of you that are somehow misunderstanding this, that you think you've got to muster up the courage... I'd like to be a witness. I'm so afraid. Knocking on doors would scare you to death. <laughs> you've got to realize this is something God produces in you. If you're waiting for your flesh to get on board, it's never going to happen. I assure you, I don't care how many years you've been saved or how many years you will be saved, your flesh will always fight you when it comes to being a witness or soul winner. So don't wait for your flesh to say, you know what? Let's get a, enough courage so we can do this. That will never happen. So don't try. Yielded to him. Second Corinthians 5.20, now then. Now then, not later. <laughs> now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. It doesn't say if you choose to be or want to be. You are. We are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did deceive you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be reconciled unto God. Every time you witness to a lost soul, it's not you, it's the Lord in you, speaking through you. He goes before you. He prepares the hearts for your witness. He knows who you're going to be talking to. The crown of rejoicing. Second. Timothy 1:8 be not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel he asks you be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel if you are going to be serious about witnessing and soul winning are you going to face some affliction you better believe it the devil will not just sit idly by, by and let you lead people to Christ he is going to fight you The devil's going to try to hinder you and thwart what your intentions are. And so be a partaker of the afflictions. So this this reward, the crown of rejoicing, is for those that are willing to be persecuted. You're willing to be rejected. You're willing to be mocked and ridiculed and belittled by those you attempt to witness to. See, this is the issue. Most people are not witnesses in the born-again realm. 95% in Harold Fickett's book, Layman, *Layman's Guide to Baptist Beliefs, he took a survey, 95% of born-again, blood-bought, heaven-bound children of God are not actively engaged in witnessing their soul winning. That tells us that 5% of the church is doing the work of evangelism. And that's about right. I pastored in Washington State. First Baptist Church of Pastor Washington. I pastored 250 people. 250 people. You know how many we had on a visitation on Thursday night? Four. Four of 250. I did so many clinics. I worked with. Still couldn't get these people to be willing to face. The fear of rejection is what keeps you silent. And the devil knows that. What did I do? Okay. Uh, I'll stay in place. Yeah, the fear of rejection was keep people keeps them silent. You, you have to, you're going to have to overcome that. Isaiah 53.3, he is despised and rejected of men. Are you willing to follow him there? He came unto his own, and his own received him not. Are you willing to follow him there? Jesus said in John 15, 20, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they rejected me, they'll reject you. Are you greater than Jesus? Aren't you the servant? Aren't I the servant? The servant is not greater than his Lord. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ had to be spit upon and mocked, his beard ripped out, flogged with a cat of nine tails, crown of thorns, mocked his king and nailed to a cross. And you face nothing? Are you willing to follow his blood-stained feet? Are you willing to share in his rejection? Those that are will be rewarded. Those that are willing to face persecution or mockery or ridicule. For the sake of sharing the gospel. They will be the ones that receive the crown of rejoicing. That's what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5.11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you. And speak evil against you. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. And then number three is the crown of life. James chapter 1 verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation for when he is tried he shall receive the crown of life. Handling trials properly responding properly to the trials that come upon us, being willing to suffer. I am so burdened for Pastor Ben Turner, you wouldn't believe it. I've been praying for him. I see him struggling. I see him in his weakness. Pastor Ben Turner right now is in the midst of a trial. Whatever mysterious reasons why, we don't know. But I look at him... Yet he's faithful, even if he's got to hang on the pulpit, he's faithful. you got to have help up to the pulpit, he's faithful. Faithful, godly pastor. And when you endure trials and faithfully do so, when you don't question God, You don't doubt God's love and care. You don't murmur against him. You don't have an argument with him. You Quietly submit to his will. And there are those that God just deems that they're going to share in the suffering of Christ. I don't understand how he chooses those. Job was one like that. When you endure trials patiently, Faithfully. You don't accuse God. Because those are the times the devil's going to come to your ear. When you're in the valley of affliction. When you're at your lowest moment, the devil's going to come. God doesn't really love you. God doesn't care about you. If God loved you and cared about you, you wouldn't be in this trial. That is not true. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. 1 Peter 5, 7 And is it no surprise that the very next verse, 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. The context is the devil is going to try to devour you when you're in the midst of trial and cares. Not only is the crown of life given For those who endure trials, Revelation 2.10, Jesus said, Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you the crown of life. What would be the ultimate trial? It'd be martyrdom. It'd be giving your life for Christ. Fifty million Baptists have been martyred for the faith. Fifty million Baptists, there were others who were martyred. I'm just talking about our our Baptist brethren, our Baptist forefathers. 50 million gave their lives preaching the gospel, opposed by Jewish people, opposed by Romans, opposed by Muslims, opposed by Catholics, opposed by communists. And through the last 2,000 years, 50 million will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and receive the crown of life, the martyr's crown. And we'll be standing with them. Can you imagine standing next to the 50 million Baptists who preach the gospel so fervently and faithfully it cost them their lives. And one of them leans over to you or me, me, excuse me, what did you suffer for Jesus? Uh, <clears throat> suffer, suffer. Well, let's let think about that. Not a whole lot. I would be willing to open my mouth for him more or less suffer. <laughs> I wonder what that's gonna be. The crown of life for enduring trials patiently and in submission to the will of God. We're being martyred with the ultimate trial. Number four, the crown of righteousness. The crown of righteousness. Are you keeping track of these things? <laughs> The incorruptible crown, the crown of rejoicing, crown of life, the crown of righteousness, Paul talked about in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Paul the Apostle writing to his protege Timothy, his last writings before he would be executed by the Roman Emperor Nero in 67 A.D. He said, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. What day? The judgment seat of Christ. And not to me only, but unto all those who love his appearance. Do you realize there is a special crown and reward for those who love the appearing of Christ? (laughs) Who love the second coming? Who are waiting and watching for the Lord to come? Loving His appearing, Paul put it. What does it mean to love His appearing? It means this. I want to be living in such a way today is I'd want to be living if I knew that today was the day that Christ returns. (laughs) I want to be living today like I'd like to be living if I knew Christ was coming today. How would you live? How would you live differently if you knew the Lord Jesus was coming? Even if he gave you a week. (laughs) What if the Lord Jesus said, Next Monday night is the rapture. Next Sunday night, Monday night, You will stand before me at the judgment seat of Christ. How would you live our lives differently this week? Mm. If you knew Christ was coming next week, or if you somehow knew that today was the day, would you read your Bible more? Would you pray more? Would you give more? Would you witness more? Would you live more holy life separated from this world? What would you do? What changes would you make this next week if you knew the Lord was coming next Monday night? Those are the changes then you need to make. That's where revival needs to reach your soul. You need to start loving his appearing. And you wake up every morning. After you snap to attention and get your marching orders. Then you say, even so come Lord Jesus. Amen. Today, oh, I long for today that you would come. And all of us, I believe, are waiting for his coming. But how many are watching? Here's a true story. True story of a... Fishing town on the Atlantic sea coast down there in America. And it is still that way in that village. It's a true story. The whole whole town is based on fishing. And these men, these husbands and fathers, go out to sea for months at a time. And tradition says that when the ship is coming back in and when these sailors are coming back to their wives and children, all of the wives and children are on the dock to greet them and it became such a tradition that men carry binoculars and as the ship is getting closer and closer to port with their binoculars they scan the dock looking for their wife and their children oh there's my penny. there's Bobby and Susie but there was one particular fisherman who scanned the dock he did not find his wife he did not find his children as the ship got closer to dock, you no know, longer needed binoculars with the naked eye. You can see your family all excited, waiting and watching for you. But this sailor's wife, or children, was not there. Obviously disappointed, he got off the ship onto the dock and went home. And there was his wife cooking in the kitchen. And he said, did, did you not know I was returning today? He says, yeah, I knew you were coming. I was waiting for you. I said, yes, you were waiting for me, but you were not watching for me. We're waiting for the Lord, but how many of us are watching for the Lord? Living every day like today could be the day. And then the final crown is in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we call it the pastor's crown. Here's a special reward and crown for those pastors who are faithful to preach the word of God. And Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder, Verse 2, feed the flock of God. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy loot. You don't think this for money. But of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. As pastors, we're not dictators. We're leaders. We're overseers. Not as lords over God's heritage. But being examples and samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear. ye shall receive a crown of glory. That fadeth not away. Crown of Glory. The pastor's crown, can you imagine those multitude of pastors were lined up before the Lord Jesus as the Lord places the crown of glory upon Pastor Ben Turner's head? That brother Turner, that brother there. All these faithful pastors, faithful to the word of God, faithful to feed the flock of God, the chief shepherd will appear and reward those under-shepherds. And praise God. And so those are the five crowns. Those are the rewards that Jesus is bringing with him. And we're given these two admonitions for 2 John chapter 8. Second, John, no, not chapter 8. It only has one chapter. You can pick whatever chapter you want. But 2 John 8, the Apostle of John, the Apostle John says, Look to yourselves, that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we might receive a full reward. The Lord Jesus himself said it in Revelation 3.11, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. It seems the implication is that you can become careless and lose reward. We know from 1 Corinthians 3.14 that those at that judgment seat of Christ, that Jesus Christ knows their life from the time they got saved, from the time he gave the foundation, and they built properly. They were careful what they built and how they built it and why they built it. They shall receive a reward. Others, loss of reward, although they're saved. They'll spend eternity with the Lord. But no reward. Can you imagine the shame of that? There some will be ashamed before him at his coming. 1 John 2.28 My little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The implication is there will be born again believers standing for the Lord Jesus who are ashamed. And again, as my wife recited, Down paths I cannot retrace, I see how I blocked him there and checked him there, and would not yield my will. Will there be grief in my Savior's eyes, though he loves me still? He would have me rich with all the treasures of heaven, but will I stand there poor, stripped of all but his grace, while memory runs as a haunted thing? Down paths I cannot retrace. The good news is you don't have to let that happen. I haven't heard the shout, I haven't heard the voice of the archangel, I haven't heard the trump. There's still time for the changes to be made in your life. There's still time for you and me to get reliable, to get serious about the reality of Jesus Christ in our life. The Lord is an absolute reality. We need to start living that way. The Lord Jesus loves you and He wants to reward you. And you can be rewarded.